I have a, a little message today that I call snake bitten. Is there anyone in here that has been snake bitten? Wave with a hand. Yeah, we got some. Was it a rattlesnake down in the south? Or? No, no. It, it just, okay, all right. So you're good, you're good. In Africa, we got the black mambas, the, you know, the green mambas, and we have to rush people to the hospital. And today, I want to speak a little bit about the world being snake bitten. Uh, how many of you are familiar with this international doctor symbol? Let me see if we got it here. How many of you remember this one? Right? All over the world, it's known. And if you ask an intellectual, uh, anyone that has studied at the university and said, where is that coming from? They will say, well, it comes from the Greek god, Asclepius, the god of health and healing, who healed people with the blood of Medusa and so on. And, uh, but we know better, right? We know that before the Greek, we already had the Mosaic law, the Torah law. And if you are familiar with the Old Testament, you know that in uh, Numbers, the fourth book of Moses, there is a story about a bronze snake on a pole. How many of you remember? All right. So we're going to dive into this together. Are you guys ready? So our text today will be Numbers chapter 21, verse 7 to 9. And uh, it's Moses taking the people from the slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And then they rebel against Moses and the leadership. And there are snakes coming into the camp that bites them. And it says like this. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Can you say amen? amen. So how many of you understand that there's probably a deeper meaning to this? Uh, and uh, if you are familiar with the Bible, you know that you can find Jesus on every page in the 39 books of the Old Testament, if you look really carefully. So this is a messianic prophecy, right? So the pole symbolizes the cross, but the snake there has confused a lot of us, isn't it? Why, why the heck were they going to look at what was biting them? What was actually causing evil? And we're going to dive into that today. But before we do, I want to... Uh, maybe get you a little more acquainted with what kind of snakes they were bitten by. When I studied this, it was most likely the Egyptian black cobra. This is what it looks like. And the Egyptian black cobra's bite is extremely deadly. With the release of its venom, an adult elephant could die within three hours. All right? And the average death time for a human is about 15 minutes. So they had to really rush to the pole, right? Now, I am a first-generation believer that was drunk in high school. So don't believe that what I'm saying next is something that I learned in school. Because I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't very good at school. But I have a wife who is highly intellectual and highly educated. Somebody say, praise God, huh? But it's not easy to be married to a, a wife who has a master degree and now is working, working on a doctorate. 
on a, P, on a PhD, is that what you call it here? And, and I mean, she's soon a doctor of medicine. So I, I try to avoid all debates at the kitchen table, if you know what I mean. But I asked her before I went to Pittsburgh, I asked her, so what would be the stages after a venomous snake bite? And she said, oh, okay, in brief, she would say it probably starts with low blood pressure and a faster heart rate. Okay, I don't know if we got any doctors or nurses in the room, but you could probably agree. And then number two, she said, would probably be nausea, vomiting, which leads to anxiety, headaches, and blurred vision. All right. And number three, difficult breathing, numbness, and weakness in the muscles. And then you've got to understand that when they were bitten by the uh, black Egyptian cobra, uh, this came fast. So the first five minutes, they could walk to the pole by themselves, but already within that, you know, second trimester, right? Uh, they uh, had to be carried there or led there. And in the end, they, they definitely had to be carried there because they couldn't move. But everyone that looked at this were healed. So what does this mean? Well, when Jesus met with Nicodemus, the scholar, he said at the campfire late at night when he tried to explain to Nicodemus that he needed to be born again to see the kingdom of God. He said that in John's Gospel 3, 14, 15, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And there's something that we believe in the Pentecostal world, and that is that that there is a twofold redemption. We could say threefold, fourfold, but at least we can see very clear in all the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament that there was salvation and healing. And sometimes it's hard to separate these two things. Even the word, uh, you know, to believe or to be saved means to be whole, to be made whole, soul, body, and spirit. And um, so, so when they were looking at this snake, they were just receiving healing in their bodies, but they didn't receive eternal life. But Jesus said that there will come a day, right? And he talked about himself. When I will be lifted up on a pole, and then when people look at that pole, they will be both saved and healed for eternity. Isn't that fantastic? So healing doesn't happen when we pray for healing. It has already happened. First Peter 2 verse 24 says, It was our sins he bore on the cross, so that we would die to sin and live for righteousness. And through his wounds we have been healed. Right? So 2,000 years ago it happened, but it's being materialized and it comes into to being activated through our faith here and now. But we base all of our beliefs on the finished work of Calvary. Would you agree with me? Hey, guys, I am used to preaching in Africa. And when you go this Pittsburgh quiet on me, I don't like it. I'm used to at least a rock being thrown or a dog, two, two, two dogs starting fighting or something like that. So could you give me a little support? Can you lean forward, act like a church down in Georgia somewhere and shout a little bit at this preacher here? Well, uh, I'm not that insecure. I've preached for 30 years, so I'll be good. But I, 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 want, to, I want to tell you this today, that when, uh, yeah, what we have seen lately in Africa is so fantastic. We have seen an increase 
of the miraculous and the healing. And our festivals have just the three years jumped up from a couple of tens of thousands on the ground to sometimes way over 100,000. And now we are approaching the 200,000 barrier in single crowds. So God is really blessing us. And, and we have a VIP section on the right hand from my side, uh, you know, on the ground for all the sick. So they come in and we have roped off a big area where they have their special seats. We treat them like VIP. And we see so many miracles happening now. And it's not because I preach about healing. I am a salvation preacher. I'm not a healing preacher. I'm a gospel preacher. But the signs follow the word. And when we preach about the cross, there is always power for both salvation and healing. And lately we have had autistic children that have just come to. Can you imagine? It's happened a lot with autistic children that have been let in, my mom and dad, and all of a sudden they start to talk to them and they have not talked to them. They make eye contact. Isn't that fantastic? Then we had this woman in Ethiopia that was totally blind on both eyes and was led to the front by her children. She came with her 10 children. She was led to the front by the salvation invitation. And as she stood up there praying the salvation prayer, okay, asking for forgiveness, asking for the Holy Spirit to enter into her life. It was black, she said, but then it became red, and then it became white, and then I could see. So she said, it was black, then the blood of Jesus came, it became white, and I could see. And she reported back to us and to the follow-up team that, yes, I was saved, I can see now. So she hadn't really understood that part of the salvation to the soul, but she had understood more than many Christians in the Western world. Are you here? It goes together. Hallelujah. And today as I preach here, I believe that there is going to be an atmosphere here, not because I'm such an amazing preacher, but because I am zooming in on the cross of Christ. And every time we talk about the cross of Christ, there is a release of healing power and anointing and an atmosphere. So while you're listening today, you can receive healing in your sin-sick soul. You know that we are all somehow snake-bitten. The whole world is snake-bitten. From the day of Adam, we're snake-bitten. And that venom is in all of us. Right? And it's causing us to die prematurely. And we destroy our world, isn't it? The, vo the water gets poisoned. And, you know, the, the earth gets unfruitful. All of this is part of that venom that came through our snake bites. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's why I think, you know, sometimes when I, when I uh, go back to this, I did this morning, low blood pressure, a faster heart rate, nausea, vomiting, which leads to anxiety, so on, difficult breathing, numbness. <sighs> That's what I hear all the time as a pastor and as a minister when I meet with people. The doctor can't say what it is. But I have such an anxiety. I got sleeping disorders. I don't know what to do. I can't see clear. I'm confused. And my heart is beating so fast. And I don't know why. And I would say that the real pandemic was not, uh, you know, a sickness that was spread. It was fear that was spread. And confusion that was spread. And blurred vision that was spread. And I think we are all suffering from 
this pandemic that is caused by the snake bites that we have gone through. I don't know what you've gone through in your life, but I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. My mama was an alcoholic, so I had to bounce around. I've told here at Allison Park many times that I had 22 addresses before I turned 18. Then you know something about how it was. I was in foster care, living with uncles and aunts. Had a father who was a gangster, went in and out of jail. And then he became a truck driver, all right? Nothing bad with being a real truck driver. So proud of him when he walked out with his thermos and wasn't stealing cars anymore. Come on, somebody. So it's just, uh, we have our different backgrounds. And when I look at my childhood, I was snake bitten. Snake bitten early on. I didn't know what was right and wrong. And the poison from the sin was blurring my vision. And when I came to Teen Challenge, some of you might know what that is, but that is some kind of a rehab home. When I came there, 19 years old, going on 20, I was a wasted young man. But in the worship and in the simple preaching of the cross, are you hearing me? And I'm going to say this very boldly now. What no shrink had been able to do for this guy, the simple message of the cross did. What no, what no therapy had been able to do for this guy, the worship did. I was sucked into an atmosphere of the cross of Calvary and Jesus. And I was transformed while I listened. The venom left my system. Hallelujah. I was healed. I was made whole in my soul. I didn't believe I would ever get married. I, I told the counselor, who can trust the woman? <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and I never, never believed that I could function, really, because I grew up so dysfunctional. I, I loved the smell of blood in a good fight. I had a lot of just weird things going on in my life. But um, after a few years with the gospel and with Jesus Christ, I felt the courage to marry. Hallelujah. I felt the courage to become a dad. I felt the courage to become a pastor. And I believe that no matter what you've gone through and how many times you've been snake bitten, there is still a pole risen for you called the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. That you can look at. All right. Let's get into this a little bit more. Apostle Paul says, when he tries to explain the cross to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Isn't that well put? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in Galatians 3.13, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. And here, now, let's go back to why was there a bronze snake in the wilderness under Moses? That has confused a lot of people. I'm telling you, a lot of scholars, a lot of theologians. Why were they looking at what was biting them? This doesn't make sense. Well, it makes perfect sense to us when we study Paul. Because Jesus, hallelujah, made himself one with our sin. He who had no sin became sin for us. He made himself one with our curse. You know, some of us try to behave when we go into church, isn't it? Let's not show who we really are. Let's be as holy as possible. You know, I remember when they dragged me to church. 
Oh my goodness, I was so drunk the first time I was in church. And I just looked at that blonde girl that I was going to ask out afterwards. But I really tried. I was with grandmama in the Catholic church in Austria. So I tried. I tried to do everything that was required of me. Is there anyone who's been there? Anyone who felt like that? But you see, it's ridiculous because Jesus, our Savior, who had no sin, became sin. So it's not like he doesn't know our secret lives and what we try to hide. He knows everything. And he actually chose to become the curse. The worst thing you've ever experienced. What, 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 what frightens you the most to even talk about. And I remember as a young man hearing the gospel, you know, being preached to me that they told me, you know, when I, every time I said, I don't want to talk about that, they said, you need to talk about it. You need to stand in front of the snake pole and face what ones were biting you. And that's why there was a snake on the cross because Jesus doesn't want us to shy away and run from our past. He wants us to put our foot down and face our past. Hallelujah. Get a grip of our past. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I remember all the abuse I went through as a kid living with, uh, you know, in an environment of drugs and alcohol, locked up, beaten up, taken advantage of. I, I remember all of that. But I am not even afraid to speak about it because I have faced it. I have faced it at the cross of Calvary. There was a snake hung on that pole. I hear Jesus became the curses in my life. Jesus became the sin in my life. You know, you don't read about this in the Koran, excuse me. You don't read about this in Bhagavad Gita. You read about this in the Bible. Jesus, the Son of God, became one with our shame and terror and our intimidation. Isn't that fantastic? That's the gospel in essence. He's not shying away. That's why I love that he was a sweaty carpenter coming home with sawdust in his ears, right? Living here on earth just like us. All right. Already in the garden, in the creation morning, we meet the snake. How many of you remember? The snake came about, fooled mankind, but immediately God has an answer. And we have the first messianic prophecy in our Bible in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where God says to the snake, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this is again uh, relating to the cross. That was going to happen, five, you know, so many years, 3,000 years into the future. Uh, Jesus was going to hang on that cross and crush the head of the devil. Isn't that fantastic? We have a victory that we rely on and stand upon. All right. Um, I want to take you into the story of Moses a little bit more. Can I do that? How many of you remember that when, when, when God called Moses... Uh, to bring deliverance to the people of Israel. He was a shepherd. All right. Let's see if I, if I can get a shepherd staff here. I think they have something here for me. Look at that. So he, he was out in the desert with his shepherd staff. And all of a sudden there was a burning bush. How many of you remember? And uh, we are going to read from Exodus chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says th that he was not really sure that Pharaoh was going to listen to him to let this... Two, three million Jewish slaves go. I mean, how, how and why? And, and, and uh, 
Why should he listen to me? Huh? What do you have in your hand? My staff. Okay? So this piece of wood here, throw it on the ground. And we read here that he did, he threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Why did it become a snake? Well, it's another messianic prophecy. Okay? You've got to see this. In order to beat evil, you have to be identified with it. Are you here? You've got to get a grip of it. And then it says here, look at this. So the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he took it by the tail. So Moses reached out and the snake turned back into a staff in his hand. What does this mean? This means that you need to boldly face your past. Are you hearing me? Moses had a past. He had some failures. He had tried to deliver Israel the wrong way through fighting and murder. And he, he knew his flaws and he knew he was not here. Oh, he grew up on the Pharaoh's daughter. Am I even going to be accepted by, by, by my people? I'm not really, am I really Jewish? Or is it just by blood? Or who am I? He had a lot of inferiorities. But he grabbed the snake by its tail and it became a staff. And I'd like to say to all of you that are here today that you are now from this day on not going to say, I don't want to talk about it. No, 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 no. You're going to talk about it. You're going to reach out your hand and you're going to grab your past by its tail and it will turn into a staff in your hand. Your past can become your superpower. Your past can become your testimony. Your past can become the weapon in your hand when you fight the devil. What he was chasing you around with, you twist out of his hands and you are not going to chase him around with. My testimony and my past and my upbringing is actually my greatest uh, asset today when I preach the gospel all over the world because I can identify with how it is to be under evil and how it is to be snake bitten and how it is to be, you know, full of venom. Are you here? How it is to be numb. How it is to have difficult breathing and anxiety. How it is to have a blurred vision. And, 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 and every time I preach the gospel, I grab the snake by its tail. Are you here? And I preach the gospel, getting a grip of my past and of other people's past. But we continue to read. In Exodus chapter 7, we read like this. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake. So Pharaoh now summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret art. Well, this doesn't sound like it went as he thought. How many of you with me? My goodness, they can do the same thing. I thought this was like a superpower that you gave me. And now all these magicians can do the same thing. And all of a sudden, there are a number of snakes on the ground. And, but, but, but then it says like this. Look at this. Each one of them threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Come on, somebody. Can we get excited here today? Come on, somebody. What does the Bible say? Death, where is your sting? Huh? Grave, what have you got on me? That is what Jesus does. 
Life swallows death. Blessing is stronger than curse. Come on somebody. Healing is stronger than sickness. The blood of Jesus is stronger than any sin you have ever committed. That's the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, we throw a piece of wood. We throw the cross and the power of the cross right into the crowds. And when I do this in Africa, I preach the gospel and I throw out the gospel about the cross. The demons are shouting everywhere. They have to carry out hundreds of people at times that are demon possessed and they are being set free. The blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the cripples walk. And hundreds of thousands of people are being transformed. What happens? Well, my gospel staff, this Calvary word, eats the demons. Hallelujah. Swallows the demon powers. Now you might say, okay, well, well, how does this apply to me? Well, let me tell you this. When me and Maria were just married, she hated to go see my family. If you, yeah, yeah. I mean, Maria came from a middle class home where they knew how to behave and my family were all over the place all the time. And uh, she said, I know they're, they're all your family, but let's stay short. I mean, there's no one in this room that can relate to this. But anyhow, I said to Maria after a while, because it was always so negativistic, my family. So much, so much cursing and cussing and fighting and it was so negative. I said to Maria, why don't we start to be very nice to each other in front of them? Why don't we say nice stuff to people that don't really deserve it? Why don't we throw in something into that environment? So we started throwing in the gospel staff without knowing it by saying nice words, beautiful words. And we would quote scriptures in the middle of our conversations. And all of a sudden we realized how the atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed around the table. And we started leading my family one by one to Jesus Christ. To redemption, to freedom, to a new life. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe it's bigger than all of us. Do you agree with me? Bigger than any preacher, bigger than any denomination, bigger, bigger than any theology. So, you know, there's something where debates just stops. When the pure gospel is being preached and we see the blood-sprinkled wood. And when we look up on that empty cross and transformation floods our lives. That's the gospel. And the gospel is so fantastic in its simplicity and in its depth at the same time. All right. Guys, it's time for me to hand over to the campus pastors. Thank you for being with us on the campuses. But in this room, we are going to continue. How many of you ready? Huh? Because I've not yet, I've not even started yet. Guys, this was the introduction. Now comes the other hour. No. Okay, guys, listen. I just want to bring you quick there. My mama had so many sicknesses when she came to believe in Jesus. It was not just that she was an addict, had been an addict. Because that 
pretty much went away right away she got filled with Jesus Christ when she got drunk on the new wine she forgot about the other wine but there were so many other things she had pain in all of her body she was constantly on sick leave she was always on social welfare she always needed help with something but the magical thing was to see my mama you know when she received Jesus Christ just becoming younger and younger by every year today my mama is 74 and she runs around like a little weasel she lives in my house we built her an apartment uh, built her an apartment in our basement and mama is awesome full of Jesus doesn't want to miss a service and she looks younger and younger every year only the gospel does that the gospel changes everything all right I don't know how you came to church today. Maybe you got snake bitten yesterday. And I'm not talking about a physical snake now. But something happened to you that was terrible. You feel the venom in your body. Maybe some of you have been snake bitten last week or last month or several times. And you're suffering. You feel the numbness. How many of you have been at the place where you can't cry? It's been too much. I remember when I came into that home. I hadn't been crying for three years. I was so numb. They could yell at me. I would laugh. It were, I wouldn't care. But then the gospel penetrated my life. And all of a sudden, feelings came back that I hadn't had for so many years. Tears started flowing, and it was beautiful tears of healing and of restoration. My soundness came back. And all of a sudden, I could think clear and I could believe in a future. I believe this morning is such a morning. You're meeting with the cross of Jesus Christ. And the power of the cross is flowing and reaching you right now when I speak. It's being carried by my voice to your soul and to your spirit. You can feel it. Feel it on your inside. Feel how that transforms formative power is at work you see I, I don't want you to be a follower of me or Pastor Jeff Leake or Allison Park Church or Pentecostal movement or, I want you to be a follower of Jesus I want you to meet with a resurrected Jesus and I want you to experience his salvation power who makes whole both to the spirit and to the soul and to the body if you and me would start to tell each other sad stories there would be many but that wouldn't help us. We would just dig ourselves down. But if we look up to the one that was pierced, we look up to that blood-sprinkled wood, something would happen to us. We would start to see clear again. The headache and the anxiety would go away. The worries of this life and the venom would start to go out of our body. He is the antidote. He is the medicine. If you want antidote, come to the empty cross of Christ. If you want medicine, come to the risen Jesus Christ. Let's stand up on our feet everywhere in this room because we're going into a moment of prayer and a moment where we will give ourselves to Jesus. Let's lift up our faces towards heaven. Close our eyes. I don't know how you came to church 
But here's my first invitation. If you are here today and all you can feel in your body is venom, sorrow, confusion, blurred vision, anxiety, you feel my soul is sin sick. I've been bitten so many times. Sometimes you were bitten because you deliberately touched a snake. Sometimes you were bitten because someone else had a snake in their life. Sometimes you were the victim and sometimes you were the one that caused it. Doesn't matter how. If you're snake bitten, there is an empty cross shining on you today. It doesn't matter how you came to church. If you came here with a terrible hangover today or you came here just have broken off from a long relationship and you, you feel so wounded and so vulnerable, this is your moment. Let's lift up our faces wherever we stand. You don't have to be ashamed. Let's lift up our faces and close our eyes. And even if you don't share in my faith today, I would ask all of you to respect this moment by lifting up your face and closing your eyes. Lift it up to a good God. Wherever you are in this room, if you want the antidote today, the medicine of Calvary today, if you would like to say, I acknowledge that God in His goodness stepped down here on earth, made Himself one with my curse and my sin and died on that cross, then you will experience what we call salvation. You will experience that your, your sins will be washed away in the bloodstream that comes out of Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet. And you will experience how you become a new creature, born again by the Holy Spirit. It is a real thing. Salvation is a real thing. Salvation is what your psychiatrist cannot offer you, your doctor or your lawyer cannot offer you, but what the 2,000-year-old gospel can offer you. So let's look up to heaven with our inner eyes. I want you to see the empty grave. I want you to see the risen Jesus. I want you to see the empty cross. And I'd like to ask each and every one of you, if you would like to pray a salvation prayer today, for the first time in your life maybe, or you feel like I have been on the run from God and religion and Jesus, come back home, run back into His arms, run back into Him. We don't want you to follow a pastor or a denomination. We want you to get in love with Jesus Christ. So wherever you're standing, lift up your face, close your eyes. I will count to three. When I've counted to three, you will break all fear and hesitation and doubt. And you will shoot up your right hand in the air and you will say, Here I am, Johannes. I'd like to have the antidote. I'd like to have the medicine. I'd like to acknowledge Jesus as my Savior for the first time or I want to come home. Are you guys ready? Let's lift up our faces in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for everyone in this room. Pray for every sin-sick, wounded soul that have been seeking refuge at Allison Park Church this morning. Make that right hand ready. When I've counted to three, you shoot that right hand up as a sign. I want the antidote. I want salvation. I want the medicine. I want to be cleansed. One, two, three. Come on. Hands are coming up everywhere. Hold them right up everywhere, everywhere. So many hands.